Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Well, 2020 was a hard year for so many of us. And listen, as this week has shown us, there's no magic in the calendar. Nothing that will automatically happen now that the calendar has shifted from 2020 to 2021. This year could be just as hard, just as perplexing, just as uncertain. And I was so grateful to be a part of this church and to be the pastor of this church on Wednesday night in response to to the events that unfolded on Wednesday that I I do want to say just pastorally, friends, we shouldn't be surprised by these events. Not because these kinds of things are bound to happen, but because these kinds of things are the fruit of seeds that are consistently sown by agents and elements in our culture, and specifically within the Christian church. The element of white Christian nationalism and white supremacy is being spun constantly into what it means to be faithful to Jesus. And so what we saw on Wednesday was not an eruption of some unforeseen thing, but was an eruption of the very real things that have been sown for a very long time. But in response to that, a group of Ecclesians gathered on Zoom to pray, and I was so deeply encouraged, so moved, that our response is not anxiety, is not uh, freaking out, but is to welcome the presence of God, to acknowledge His sovereignty, And also to say, here am I. Here am I. Use me to be an instrument of your peace, to be an instrument of your justice. And so as we begin 2021, we don't begin with the delusion that we can all of a sudden be our best selves. I would so much like to give you a surefire strategy for a foolproof life in the coming year. I would so love that. But if I were to promise you that, I would be more like a politician than a pastor. Instead, I want to invite you into the ways and the rhythms that I think God is inviting us to move as a people in the coming year. But in praying over our church, in listening to my own thoughts and dreams, and listening to what I think God might be urging us towards, I can't shake this notion that in spite of all the uncertainty that is sure to await us in 2021, in spite of all the obstacles that are sure uh, for us to have to navigate, I can't shake this hope that God wants to do something big in our day and in our midst. And those of you who have been, maybe you've been walking with our church for a while, maybe you've picked up on this about me. I hate cliches. I cannot stand them. They get me at the very core of my being. I don't do slogans. I don't do folksy wisdom. Anything that tries to make something that is inherently complex into this simplistic, trite idea, I reject from the very depths of my being. I don't doubt that there's some truth in them. That's kind of why they're cliches, but I just can't deal with them. So I'm not one... It's not my habit to typically put a theme on the year. <laughs> I, I think of the absurdity 
If, if I would have attempted this exercise last year in 2020 and standing before you in January, all the possibility and hope of the year that would await us, all the things that we didn't know we were going to go through at that point, And I'd have been like, you know, 2020 is the year of getting outside of your house. Or, or maybe 2020 is the year of being together. Yeah, I don't normally put themes on the year because I'm not often certain about what God might be saying or what is going to happen in the world. But in my time of preparing, in understanding what God might be inviting us into as ecclesia, as a people, I can't shake this word. The word that I keep coming back to, the word that just drives me and, and gets me in my soul is this word, suddenly. I love this word. I love the imagery that it evokes. There's this inherent chaos in this word, a lack of control. When we describe things usually happening suddenly, we usually describe them happening to us. A sense of the unexpected, the unforeseen, a change in circumstances that we could not have predicted. And what I love about this word, suddenly, in the scriptures, it is an adverb of God's action. His prerogative, his movement in the world. The word for suddenly in the Hebrew is patalm. There's several words used in the Greek. And the narrative of the scriptures typically moves at this slow pace. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. The, the narrative of the biblical history is recounted in generations. You see all these uh, genealogies that are given at the beginning of these books. Generations are counted. Prophecies come to pass centuries later than when they were uttered. The last days following Jesus' resurrection have been going on for over 2,000 years. God's pace, more broadly, throughout the narrative of the scriptures, is patient. It's unhurried. We could call it glacial. But every once in a while, the pace accelerates Things promised long beforehand come to fruition. The world is changed. God breaks in and the doors of heaven flood open. And from the very first moments of this church, when we started this church, I can't believe that it's been over three years since many of us met in our living room for the first session of dreaming what this church might become. And I've had this sense from the very beginning that we would go the slow way. We are after depth, not width. Think about this. A flood covers much more area than a river. It is widely dispersed, but a flood is destructive and shallow. A river, on the other hand, is deeper and brings life and power. And the first story I told on that Sunday morning in our living room, gathered with many of you who are still journeying with us today, was a story from Herman Melville's Moby Dick. And in that story, Melville describes the harpooner on a whaleboat. Now, we are not 19th century whalers, so we have to do a little bit of movement and transition from our own time. But on these whaleboats, they would send out smaller skiffs in order to hunt the whale. And maybe you know Moby Dick is about a certain whale that has captured the imaginations of this Captain Ahab. But Melville goes into great description about the harpooner, the person who would deliver the striking blow to the whale. 
And he describes the frenetic energy of the skiff. There's all these people rowing frenetically, trying to get close to the whale. But in the midst of all this chaotic energy, there's one person on the boat who is still. The harpooner doesn't participate in the frenzy. He or she must be absolutely still and ready. Otherwise, they will miss the moment. The harpooner, in many ways, is the non-anxious presence on the boat waiting. And about a year and a half ago, Courtney, my lovely wife, painted the picture of the oak tree, a church that grows steadily, slowly over the years, providing shade and life and beauty for all who encounter it. And these two images have been guiding our church from the very beginning, especially as we consider our core values. We say around here that life with Jesus is cultivated. Cultivation implies this sense of patience, this sense of doing slow work of weeding the garden, slow work of waiting upon the change of the seasons. And and when I think about these two images, the oak tree and the harpooner on the boat, I think so much of the beauty and, and what those images evoke have guided and shaped our church, and I'm so grateful for that. And as we begin 2021, the beauty of what I'm sensing now is that we don't have to discard those images and leave them behind. Rather, now we get to see a first glimpse of those images being brought into their full resolution. For the harpooner, there's a time to wait and there's a time to strike. For the tree, there's a time where its seeds and roots grow unseen, hidden underneath the soil. And there's a time where that subterranean thing that's been going on breaks through the soil. And yes, the tree is far from what it will be in that moment. But everything that the tree will become becomes first visible in that moment, suddenly. Surveying the word throughout the biblical text, the word suddenly appears at pivotal moments throughout the story of salvation. And what I want to do is just walk through some of the appearances of this word because I think they're so profound. Ezekiel, upon the exile of the people of Israel, is sitting at a pivotal moment in the nation's history and wondering, is God going to be faithful to his promises? And he's in the presence of the Lord, and he sees this valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37, symbolizing the depths of this exile that they're experiencing, and the despair of the people. And the voice of the Lord tells Ezekiel to speak life over these dry bones. And Ezekiel obeys. In verse 7 it says, So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Suddenly. Suddenly a rattling, bones coming back together. This is an image of God's restoration, the unfolding of his plans to forgive sin and usher in the new creation. As we fast forward to Luke's gospel, an angel appears to shepherds announcing the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, who will be the very instrument to fulfill the vision of the dry bones coming back to life that Ezekiel saw. Luke chapter 2 verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest Jesus begins his public ministry by going to John the Baptist to be baptized. 
And as Jesus emerges from the water, Matthew 3 verse 16 says, Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing upon Jesus. The voice of God pronounces blessing upon Jesus. He says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. The heavens are open. Ancient promises are being fulfilled in this Jesus. Suddenly, heaven is near. In Matthew chapter 17, Peter, James, and John are on a mountain praying with Jesus when suddenly... Jesus is shining, radiant before them. The text tells us in verse 3, Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Suddenly, all of the law and the prophets are finding their climax. Their words are finding their truest fulfillment in the person of Jesus, the Son, the Beloved. And Matthew records this account uh, in saying that all that this story has been building towards, has been building towards this one, this Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus, the Messiah. And Matthew goes on later in his gospel as he recounts the resurrection story of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 2, it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Suddenly, after the crucifixion of Jesus, beyond anybody's expectation, beyond anybody's wildest dreams, beyond any sense of possibility, Jesus emerges from the grave, victorious over sin and death. Suddenly, with a violent shaking, the world is made new. And just a few verses later, in Matthew 28, Matthew describes the disciples Together, as Jesus appears to them, it says, Suddenly, Jesus met them, and he said, Greetings. And they came to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Suddenly, these disciples, who were so fearful, so afraid, so sad that they had lost their leader, suddenly Jesus, the resurrected one, appears to them, and he pronounces blessings, pronounces favor, and they respond in worship to him. This good news, this good news of the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for all the world is proclaimed to them in the person of the resurrected Jesus. The book of Acts continues this theme of suddenly in pivotal junctures. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus' apprentices, all those who follow him and apply his teaching and his way to their lives, are together in the upper room when it says in Acts 2 verse 2, And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The Spirit is poured out upon the people. The church is born in this moment. Peter proclaims the gospel and thousands respond. In Acts 9, Luke records Saul, who would later become Paul, riding to Damascus in order to arrest and persecute Christians. You may not know this, but Saul, who became Paul, who would write many of the letters that we have in our New Testament, was not always a faithful follower of Jesus. But Luke describes in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, Suddenly a light flashed from heaven around him. Suddenly this man, 
who was so intent and so zealous for persecuting the church is met by the risen Jesus. Suddenly, one of the church's most ardent detractors will become the one who will lay the foundation for the faith of literally untold billions. In Acts chapter 10, another pivotal moment in the salvation story, the news about the resurrection of Jesus has mostly been proclaimed just to the Jewish people. The children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have heard the good news of their Messiah. But in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a Gentile, somebody who is outside, at least from the perspective of the story at this point, the covenant promises of God, receives a vision from heaven. And Peter receives a simultaneous vision. And it says in Acts chapter 10, Suddenly, the men sent by Cornelius, this Gentile one, appeared. And they were asking for Simon Peter's house and were standing by the gate. The text tells us that Peter goes to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius tells of the vision that he received in Acts 10, verse 30. Cornelius replied, Four days ago, at this very hour, at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly... A man in dazzling clothes stood before me. And it becomes clear through this interaction, in this scene, that the good news of the resurrection of Jesus is not just for the, the genealogical children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not just the Jewish people, but is an announcement in fulfillment to the promise given to Abraham, an announcement of blessing for all the nations, every single person. Pivotal moments in the story that has been unfolding for generations are met as this glacial pace slowly unfolds. In pivotal moments, these things change and accelerate rapidly, met with God's action, with His Spirit, His suddenly, and everything changes. Ecclesia, I think in so many ways... We as a people, as we've been laying the foundations of what this church will be, have been sowing seeds of suddenly. And that we're on the brink of God's movement to do things that we could not even ask or imagine in our midst. And I want you to look closely at this survey that we have just undertaken. What does it look like when God moves, when He suddenly breaks in into our present? I want to look at uh, four things that kind of tie a thread between these pivotal moments that we just surveyed throughout the biblical story. First, the agency is God's. It's God doing the action. Suddenly is a God adverb. It acknowledges our lack of control. It acknowledges that we are not the ones who make it happen, but we simply place ourselves in this shower, this stream of suddenly, and we live our lives out of the wellspring of God's grace and His goodness. I love this verb, suddenly, because it demands that we rely upon God. And I think God is calling us towards a new depth of reliance upon Him. Of not just being a people who say that, oh yeah, we'll pray about that. But to fervently cry out to God, for God to move, for God to do something that we could not do ourselves. The first thing is that suddenly is completely the agency and prerogative of God. The second thing, the results are unforeseen. 
Nobody was waiting outside the tomb of Jesus of Nazareth. Nobody was waiting on the spirit to fall upon the first church. Nobody thought Saul could become Paul. Nobody was going to go to the Gentiles and tell them that Jesus was the Messiah, not just of the Jewish people, but of the whole world. But God's suddenly shook up the status quo like an earthquake, like a mighty wind. The results of suddenly are often unforeseen. The third thing that I want you to see is that the people of God in the afterglow of God suddenly find new hope and new depth. God's call, his suddenly, people suddenly people bask in unimaginable love and live out of his love on mission, purpose, and calling. Peter was a fisherman when suddenly he met Jesus and over the course of his life with Jesus suddenly saw Jesus transfigured suddenly heard the word of God from heaven he was a leader of a fledgling group of people who had seen the resurrected Jesus but didn't know what to do next when suddenly the spirit of God descended upon the earliest church and he preached with power and he fulfilled Jesus' words that were spoken over him that upon this rock Jesus would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Yes, when we experience the suddenly of God and we, we place ourselves in that place, we experience new depth and new possibility. The fourth thing I want you to see is that when God suddenly breaks in, people that are the least likely to find faith in God, people that are the least likely to pull up a chair to the table are welcomed in. When Saul was opposed to the church, God suddenly knocked him over. When the earliest Christians were not going to the Gentiles, God suddenly, God's spirit broke down the wall. The patient unfolding of salvation is punctuated by God's grace, changing people's lives and destinies and helping them to heal to find forgiveness and love in what Jesus has done in his life, his death, and his resurrection. Ecclesia, I don't know about you, but when I survey this, when I just look at the wide angle of the biblical text, when I see God suddenly, I want to be a part of that. I want my life to be aligned with God's heart for the world. And this is a big, big vision, and I think it's big enough to give our lives to. God moving in ways that are far better than we would ask or imagine. Deep calling to deep in us as we extend our faith, as we move towards God, as we press in, we find that there's this endless spring of God's love and that those who are outside of a life of faith are being beckoned and invited and welcomed in. I don't know about you, but I want that from the depths of my soul. But here's the thing. We talk about these big ideas. You talk about these, these wide-angle themes that, that f uh, flow through the biblical narrative. Sometimes it's hard to be like, okay, but what do we do about that? How do we take this beautiful concept and begin as to sow seeds of suddenly, to live daily in this movement? I mean, suddenly, as we've already said, is God's initiative. It's God's prerogative. If he wants to do it, he can just do it, right? But suddenly is an invitation to participate in God's ways in the world. It's an invitation to see the world as he sees it. So I want to begin to address the question, and it's a question that we will come back to over and over this year. How do we participate in the suddenly of God? 
How is God calling us as ecclesia to be a people of the suddenly? What does it mean to be a people who are seeking this out? What's God's invitation for us? Well, I think there's a couple things. And I want to outline them for you on this Sunday where we are talking about what's our vision, how are we going to live and be as a people, and what do we owe each other? The first thing, how do we participate in God suddenly? The first thing is God's word. Isaiah 48 verse 3 says, The former things I declared long ago, they went out from my mouth and I made them known. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Isaiah is telling us, that we often miss the suddenly that is erupting in our midst because we simply don't know the promises of God. I mean, think about it. What has God promised you? What has He asked of you? And maybe the most important question, how do you know? He's given us His Word in order that we would know Him. He's given us His Word as a touch point between heaven and earth, as a way where His Spirit breaks in, the the, the Spirit of God speaking to us afresh and anew. And and here at Ecclesia, we've always been a people who who are profoundly focused on the Word of God. We want to, to place ourselves under God's Word. We want to listen to it. We want to submit to it and do what it says. And it's my conviction as your pastor that we need to go even deeper, that we need to be more immersed in the Word of God, that I want to help you read the Bible well, not so you'll have all the rules straight and so that somehow if you get these things in a checklist and everything will fit into its right place. No, but because the Bible is the best story that has ever been told, that has ever been lived. God has given us Himself And he's invited us to live in light of that story. And the more that we know, the more that we encounter God's word, the more that we encounter his presence through his word, the better it gets. So Ecclesia, we're going to bring back the daily podcast, the daily reflection on scriptures, just as a foothold for you to help you to listen to the scriptures, uh, to participate in what God is doing in your very life. Also, in January, I'm going to lead just a simple weeknight seminar on how to do a daily Bible study. You know, for so many of us, we know that we're supposed to read the Bible. We just don't have any clue how. And so over Zoom, I'm going to try to just give you some tools uh, in order to be a person who is alive to the Word of God because His Word is living and active. And it is wanting to do a profound work in and through us. And so I'm very excited about this. I'm also excited. Last year, we were able to run one Garden to City, which is the wide-angle explanation and exploration of what the story of God is all about from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to be able to do that again online. So I encourage you, if you're like, I need to, I need to dig into this, do it. Commit. I will help you. Our church will give you uh, the tools and the faculties you need to be able to immerse yourself in the Word. So I think that's the first way that we begin to participate in God suddenly. We are a people of the Word. The second thing is we are a people of hope. Ecclesia, the world needs the hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus more than perhaps at any point in our lives thus far. And the second thing that God is inviting us to be is a people of hope. In Acts chapter 16, we see another of God's suddenlies. Paul and Silas have been arrested for disrupting the economic status quo in Ephesus. And they're there in prison. And instead of whining or complaining, they are singing and praying to God. 
As they're singing and they're praying in the prison, suddenly a violent earthquake shakes the prison doors wide open. And here's the most incredible part about this story. Paul and Silas could have walked right out, but there's even more. The jailer who was responsible for them comes rushing down to the prison doors, fearing that the prisoners had escaped. The text tells us that if Paul and Silas were gone, the jailer was going to kill himself. A ritual suicide, an acknowledgement of his failure to do his job. And the jailer draws his sword in order to end his life, but Paul calls out to him, Don't hurt yourself, we're still here. The jailer is stunned. He immediately asks them, What must I do to be saved? There's no doubt he'd heard their songs and their prayers to Jesus and to the God of Israel. And the jailer takes Paul and Silas to his house that very night and sets food before them. And he washes their wounds. Paul and Silas had been whipped and scourged by the city officials. And as they're sitting at this meal, Paul and Silas tell the jailer the beauty of the gospel. And in hearing this story, not just the jailer, but his entire household desired to be baptized in that moment. So let's recap this for just a second. Paul and Silas are in prison. Their faith in Jesus is undaunted. They sing and they worship. God makes a way for them not only to get out that night, not only to have a warm meal to be washed up and to have their wounds intended to, but for them to tell the jailer the story of the beauty of Jesus. Ecclesia, we, when we are a people of unshakable hope, God shakes the prison walls around us and people find faith. Again, when God suddenly breaks in, those who are outside a life of faith are welcomed in. And we're going to continue to press into the promises of God, to lift our voices and our hearts in praise and worship, and to be people through whom the rest of the world finds hope. The jailer thought that all was lost, but suddenly, instead of losing his life, he found eternal life in Jesus. So we are called in this moment to be a non-anxious presence, a people of hope. The third thing that I think God is calling us to in this moment is to be a people of prayer. As we've already outlined, suddenly is God's initiative. But his suddenlies often routinely break in on people that are looking for it, people that are in prayer. The disciples were praying with Jesus on the mountain when suddenly... He was transfigured, glowing in their midst. The earliest church was praying on the day of Pentecost when suddenly the Spirit broke in like a mighty rushing wind. If ever there was a moment and a year for us not to rely upon our own strength, our own efforts and energy, it is this one right now. We need God suddenly. There is so much uncertainty in the world, yes, but God's mission does not stop. We don't stop moving towards our neighbors in love. And one of the most important ways that we can participate in this suddenly as a church, that we can sow these seeds, is simply yet fervently to pray. And so we are going to pray. Again, as I started, this week's events were so discouraging to me, but I was so stirred and moved by the response of people within our church to cry out to God. And we're going to build this into the rhythm of the life of our church, just a weekly prayer gathering. We can start over Zoom, which is the beauty uh, of these painful moments that we're in right now, is that we can lift our voices to God even though we're not together. 
And so we're going to start and we're going to pray. And I want to invite you to be a people who say yes to that. Who say, yes, God, I trust you beyond my own efforts and my own abilities. The last thing that I think God is calling us to as we sow seeds of suddenly, as we be a people who seek his face, seek his hand in the world, is to be a people of connection. Listen, I know, I get it. We're all tired of the online stuff. I cannot tell you how much I hate staring at this camera right now. I get it. I don't know when we will be meeting in person again. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could give you a date. But I think next to when Jesus is coming back, that date is the most unknown date in our culture right now. I don't have the slightest idea when that will happen. And frankly, I don't know where we'll be meeting. We've always met in spaces where we've rented space. I don't know what spaces are going to be available to us. And so if you came here looking for certainty, you're welcome. But what I do know is that though the online thing is hard, I know it's easy to get distracted, so easy to just kind of opt out, uh, so easy to just say, ah, I don't really want to do that. I want to give you this charge. Lean in. The Apostle Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul, and he was met suddenly by God's light. And immediately after that, the Spirit of God told a man named Ananias to go and to seek out Saul and to be with him. Now, Ananias had heard about the kinds of things that Saul was doing. And he's like, Lord, uh, I don't really want to get shanked. So, is there another way? But Ananias, instead of his own reservations, obeyed the voice of God and he went. And he attended to Saul. Saul, upon seeing this sudden light from God, was blind for three days. And Ananias went and he attended to him and he was with him. And he welcomed him into the life of faith. And I want to offer you this challenge, Ecclesia. God may be working out his suddenly in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of people that we love all around us, in ways that we couldn't account for. Who will be there, like Ananias, to connect them, to welcome them into the life of faith? Who will be the one to be a hospitable presence and to say, this is what it means to follow the way of Jesus? If we are disconnected, if we are checked out, then people are going to find this life of faith and then all of a sudden realize, well, these people don't actually mean what they say. They say they found eternal life, but it seems like it's sort of an ancillary thing in their life. And so I want to challenge you. We have to build a community a plausibility people and structure where people who are finding faith can find an easy way in, can be welcomed in when the scales are still well into their eyes. We need to continue to cultivate vibrant communities, creative minorities where we are bearing one another's burdens, caring for one another. This is how Jesus said the world will know we are his disciples. The Atacama Desert is the driest place on earth. And in a normal season, it is nearly impossible for any vegetation to grow there due to the extreme aridity of the land. But every once in a while, a cloud burst opens up. A low pressure system meets a high pressure system and the rains pour out over the desert, pouring intense rain over the land. And it's stunning to see what happens. In this place that is supposedly so barren, supposedly where nothing could grow, it turns out 
that underneath the surface of the Atacama, there are all these seedlings, all these wildflowers waiting to break forth in the soil itself. And when the rain finally comes, after years and years, these seedlings burst through the soil, painting the valleys of the Atacama with vibrant colors. And yes, most of the time in the Bible, the Bible's inviting us into rhythms, into seasons, to see the faithfulness of God over generations. But have you ever considered this? Just what is the distinction between a tree or a flower being underneath the surface and it breaking through the soil? There has to be a moment which that thing which was previously completely submerged now becomes visible. What is that moment but an infinitesimal suddenly, a moment unnoticed yet monumental? We can't say when the rains will come. We can't say when God's Spirit will rush upon us, but we can sow seeds of suddenly in our lives. We can sow seeds of suddenly through prayer in the lives of our neighbors. We can wait expectantly upon the face and the hand of the Lord. We can cry out for his presence to mark us in a unique way. We can pray for our family members by name. Ecclesia, if we would commit to doing this, I am confident of this, that a year from now, we will be telling testimonies of people that we prayed for, of people that we lifted up to God that found faith. And I want to see it come to pass in our day and in our midst. We can cry out on behalf of people who maybe, it seems like Saul, will never find faith in Jesus. And yet, because of God, suddenly, they are met with the beauty of the risen Jesus. We can cry out for our nation, which as we've seen continuously throughout the last several years, is in so many ways imperiled. What is the moment between life and death? What is the moment between the grave and resurrection? Matthew's gospel tells us that it is the suddenly of God. Because of the blood of Jesus, the suddenly of God is available to us right here and right now. And it's available to every single person. May we be a people of the word. May we be a people of hope, a people of prayer, a people of community. May we be a people of the suddenly of God. And may we invite God's sudden presence to break in on us anew, causing the valley of dry bones to come to life, causing the desert to spring forth and to bloom, causing those places that we thought never anything could grow to break forth with life. May we look and seek and be desperate for God suddenly. May this be the word that urges us on this year to follow Jesus. Patiently, yes, but also suddenly. Grace and peace to you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.